We'll read as our text this morning uh, from Luke chapter 19, <clears throat> verse 10. Luke 19:10, "For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost." <clears throat> Probably all of us at one time or another have felt like we were lost. I, I know I like the outdoors, and there's been several times in hiking and especially hunting, I enjoy and fishing, that I have felt perhaps I was lost. But I guess I wasn't because I'm here right now. But I sure felt that way. Probably more familiar with us is when we lose something. Uh, lose our keys. Lose our phone. One time recently I went to work and realized I had left my phone at home and I was surprised and disappointed with the panic that set in just because I had left my phone. And I knew where that was, but I, I decided I needed it so bad I turned around and went back and got it. Uh, but nonetheless, I think we can all identify with having lost something. And I'm sure that our effort in finding that item depends upon how valuable it is to us. <clears throat> if I were to mention this morning uh, that I had placed underneath someone's seat a penny and that if you could find it, you could have it, I don't imagine there would be too many people that would put forth much of an effort. But if I were to mention to you that this morning I have placed a $100 bill, I haven't. But if I had under your seat this morning, I would imagine there would be people diving on the floor looking for that because I think we can all understand the value in $100 as opposed to a penny. Here, Jesus was trying to get people to understand the value of someone who is lost, of, of one's soul. And, and I think we can understand that, well, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That whosoever, you, you and I could... You and I could put our, our name in there. God so loved, we, we could put our name in there. Uh, we are that valuable to God. Now these, this, this chapter 19, verse 10, is the culmination of, of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus, however you want to put it. Uh, Zacchaeus, it says that he was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. He was as Jesus said, also a son of Abraham, so he was a Jew, and yet he was employed by the Roman government to exact taxes from uh, the Jewish people on behalf of a government that had come in and captured and was overseeing them against their desire. But, but, but uh, Zacchaeus, he was chief among the publicans. He must have been despised. And uh, we read that, that he wanted to see Jesus. He must have heard something and about the Lord and, and wanted to see him, but he was little of stature. Now, I've often wondered because I was always the smallest kid in school, in grade school and middle school, and sometimes those of us that are small overcome that with a certain personality that uh, is kind of fiery, and, and uh, I was kind of a big talker, and it got me into a lot of trouble. I got beat up a couple times uh, by people that were bigger than me because I should have kept my mouth shut. Maybe Zacchaeus was one of those kind of guys. He, he was small, and so he made up for it by being fiery, and, and he had some authority. 
He maybe took advantage of that, but, but he was despised. He was rich. He was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. So we know he runs up ahead of the Lord, climbs up in that sycamore tree, uh, just going to get a glimpse of Jesus. But as Jesus comes by, he looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus, uh, you, you come down from that tree. Uh, I must abide at your house. Well, how does Zacchaeus... Re- Zacchaeus was lost. He, he, he was right there. Everybody saw him. It had nothing to do with his geographical location, but he was spiritually lost. But he had an appointment with Jesus that day. And as he came down from that tree, uh, we, we see a change of Zacchaeus's heart happen somewhere because he said, uh, Lord, behold, uh, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. That was a big ask for Zacchaeus. He was rich, but he no doubt had defrauded many people. But right away, he uh, was willing to restore what he had taken. The Lord said, This day salvation is coming to thy house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that one that was lost. Jesus didn't come to uh, for those that are, are, are whole, but those uh, that, that were lost. In another place, he says, those that those need the physician are those that are sick. I've been blessed with good health in recent times. I don't go to the doctor. I, I don't, in my spare time, think I, I'm feeling good, but I think I'll go see the doctor today. Uh, it's only when I'm sick I go. And then I try not to go even then. But nonetheless, Jesus was trying to get across to the the righteous, the self-righteous, that people like Zacchaeus are who he had come to to seek and to save. Again, that word uh, seek there uh, in, in the Greek involves the idea of urgency. When you and I lose something of value, it, it is urgent that we look for it. It's something I, I need now. I, I can't I can't wait till tomorrow or the next day, but there's a sense of urgency. Uh, we, we get the impression here that there's a sense of urgency that Jesus is looking for the lost because the longer you're lost, the, the, the more uh, difficulty can come your way, the more uh, circumstances you can encounter that cause injury. And he comes to save, to heal, to deliver, and to make whole. As we look at the, I'll tell you what, I was, I was studying just in my own private study recently, and I, I thought to myself, as I read this verse, that he has come to seek and to save that which was lost, that this could be Jesus' mission statement. It could be that we could, we could call this, for the sake of what we're thinking about this morning, that this is his mission statement, to, to seek and to save that which was lost. And, and so I, I, I looked up the uh, definition of a, meaning, of a mission statement. It's, it's a simple and brief description that encompasses the purpose of a company, defining its culture, goals, and values, and the organization's reason for existence. It describes its purpose, intention, and overall objectives. It serves to communicate to its employees, customers, vendors, and other stakeholders, the purpose to which 
it is de uh, dedicated. I, I like the part where it says a simple and brief description. Uh, I, I was I was looking up. Uh, well, 16 years ago, my youngest daughter got married. And the minister that performed the ceremony was my son-in-law's uncle, whom I had met several times. But he was an ordained minister with an, uh, from an organization that was headquartered in Arizona, I believe. And I looked up their, uh, their website because I wanted to know what they were about and read their mission statement. And, and I frankly came away more confused than when I started. But um, that's me. I'm not, uh, again, I like the brief description because that's what resonates with me best. But, but I thought about our, our own apostolic faith mission statement. Uh, our, our, statement is, our mission statement is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to pray, to preach, and to publish. Uh, that's how we accomplish spreading the, wor the word of Jesus Christ. I, I appreciate prayer. I, I appreciate, I got a message this morning from a friend that, that he was praying for me. I appreciate that. I need it. I need that. Uh, and, and we've seen it many times. Uh, that's why we have a prayer room. That's why we close the meeting with prayer. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I was uh, recently in, in February, <clears throat> I was in Romania and invited into a church with, I had never been invited into uh, that. We as an organization have never been to before. <clears throat> and I was, uh, I had the privilege of, of kind of introducing uh, our organization, and, and it, very much a privilege and very uh, humbling to be on our behalf. But, but nonetheless, uh, I, uh, the minister that, that was in charge wanted to know uh, what we wanted to do. And, and, of course, here I am invited. You know, it's not my place. Uh, but, but I did tell him, I said, after we're through, we want to have an altar call. We, we want to have people come forward and pray. And he said, well, that would be fine. And so at the close of the service, we invited those to, to come forward uh, that wanted to be anointed and prayed for because we had touched on uh, divine healing and, and other things. And, and at the close of that service, uh, several came down the aisle and, and lined up, and, and uh, Brother Jeff Downey and I we were there together, and, and we began to anoint and pray for those that were sick, and, and probably 12 or 15 people, and pretty soon a few more came. You know, it, it catches on. Like Zacchaeus, he, he wanted to see what he'd heard about. Well, these people had seen uh, uh, what, was, what was going on, and, and God was answering prayer. And remember, and I'm always reminded, the prayer of faith saves the sick. It's the Lord that raises them up. And, and, uh, but, but more came, and more, pretty soon we had people uh, that, that came that had marriage problems. And one by one, we would listen to a couple, and our interpreter would help us understand what the prayer was for. We anointed the sick, but we prayed for those that, that were not sick, and it went on for quite some time. And after the service, I asked one of the brothers there, uh, that seemed like a long time, and he said, you prayed for these people for an hour and 45 minutes. But you see, God heard and answered prayer, and I'm thankful that we believe in prayer, uh, that, that we believe in, in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ emphasizing the, the uh, latter rain gospel experiences of salvation, sanctification, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but we preach Jesus, don't we? Uh, I, I was reminded of the, uh, Philip when he was called out of that uh, wonderful uh, revival in Samaria. But God called him to go down to Gaza because there was one soul that was lost. That Ethiopian traveling back to his country, reading from the book of Isaiah. And, and uh, Philip joined himself to the chariot as the Lord provoked him. Understand what you're reading? The man said, how can I accept some man help me? And what did Philip do? He preached Jesus, it says, right from that point. And, you know, we published the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I focused in on our own mission statement was the fact that through our personal lives, 
We publish the gospel. You publish the gospel when you go to school. You publish the gospel when you go to work. Uh, how you act and how you react in situations. We, you and I are publishing the gospel through our personal life. And we look for opportunities to be publishers. So I wondered this might be a mission statement of the Lord to seek and to save that which was lost. We have examples that we read in the uh, Scripture reading back in chapter 15. Once again, it says, Then drew near to him the publicans and the sinners, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. There's always going to be murmurers, isn't there? Always going to be those who dispute. Always going to be those... uh, when, When Debbie and I first got saved, we were still teenagers, had a large group of friends that we ran around with. The Lord delivered us. He sought us and He saved us, delivered us, made us whole. We didn't want to do those old things anymore. But we had friends that would tell us, well, that's wonderful, but why do you have to be so serious about this? You guys are going to church two and three times a week and... Uh, you know, he's just, just completely overboard. Uh, well, we were, we were loving that every minute of it uh, and, and still do. But nonetheless, uh, uh, there will always be murmurers. And that's what Jesus would always run into in that Scripture reading, it says. And he tried to give them an example, something that they could relate to. He said, if a man, which one of you, if he, if he has a hundred sheep and one sheep goes astray, now, we, we, we oftentimes are compared to sheep. I'm not sure I want to do that to you fine people. I have nothing against sheep. We never had any growing up. Uh, Dad was a practical man. Uh, we, we had farm animals. We had, uh, we had cows because you could milk a cow and you could eat a cow. We had chickens. You could eat chickens or you could have chickens have eggs. We had pigs. You could feed the pigs the refuse off the dinner table that nobody wanted, and ultimately you could... Eat the pig. You know, we never had horses. Um, Somebody asked Dad one time, uh, Darwin, do you know anything about horses? And he said, well, he says, I know enough not to own one. You see, you couldn't, I guess you could ride the horse. I I don't suppose, well, you want to eat the horse, but I guess you. people say I'm hungry enough I could eat a horse. I don't know, maybe you have. But we find the Gospels very practical, and we get practical illustrations here. If, if you had lost a sheep, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Why, why, why is the sheep lost? I, I guess sheep must have a, a certain understanding of, of, uh, of where they graze and have a shepherd that looks out over them. But, but maybe the sheep is, <coughs> excuse me, lost of its own, own will as much as it, it can understand. And I, and I suppose the sheep is wanders off slowly and the shepherd can only use so much to keep the sheep in, in the fold. But he said, uh, uh, w- w- giving this as an example, uh, and, and I, again, I suppose the sheep wanders slowly away and doesn't really have in mind its goal isn't to be lost, for sure. Uh, but he says, which, which of you, having lost a sheep, wouldn't leave the 99, he says, in another place safe in the fold, but and go look for that one lost sheep. Maybe that sheep was crying out. Maybe it was uh, over the edge of a cliff or, or something. Uh, who knows? But as that begins to uh, call out, uh, the shepherd leaves the flock and he knows the sheep are missing. One, 
I'm not sure how he recognizes one from the 99, but he knows the sheep. He knows them each one by name. And he goes and, and, and finds that sheep, but he says, well, and then what happens? Why, he takes that sheep and he, and he, he puts it over his shoulders and he, he comes and, and he calls his friends. And he says, uh, uh, rejoice with me. I found the sheep that was gone astray. Because he says, likewise, there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. See, sometimes we wander away from the good shepherd, the Lord, don't we? Sometimes, and, and it's imperceptible at first, maybe uh, uh, just, but, but of our own accord, a wrong decision here and there uh, just, just catapults us into pretty soon. I, I, re, I recall uh, taking my, my wife and my daughters, they wanted to go shopping which I don't care for shopping at all. But nonetheless, uh, I dropped them off at one of the malls, and uh, we had a set time or a phone call that would uh, meet us back up or something. I actually do like shopping, but I went to the outdoor store somewhere uh, while they were at the mall. And, uh, but, but as I pulled up to that off-ramp, I, I saw a young lady standing there, and she had a dog with her, uh, and, and she was uh, in her 20s perhaps, and uh, a, a beautiful young lady to, 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 by sight, I, I would say. And, and, but, but she was there with a sign out that she needed help. And I thought, I wonder what decision turned this young lady so that she ended up here. Because you and I, we say, we'll, we'll never do that. We'll never go that far when we wander away from the Lord. Uh, I remember as a young man, of course, we weren't Christians in our home. But I, uh, I, I, I had been to vacation Bible school. I, I knew what it was about. I remember one Sunday, my sister and I stepped forward to in front of everyone and committed our lives to the Lord. I think I was 12 or 13. Not sure I understood everything, but I made a commitment that day. But, you know, I, I wandered away. And uh, I, I know I've mentioned probably to some of you before, because as my grandkids get older and I look at them, um, I have a granddaughter who's 18, a grandson who is 15, and a granddaughter who is 13. And I look at those kids because I was 14 years old when I began to experiment with drugs and alcohol. And it, I, I ask myself, what was I thinking? What, but, but, you know, I was a strong person, and I wasn't going to go too far. But you look down the road three, four, five years later, and I, I was at a place that I never thought I would be. Uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol. I was lost. I, I, I had wandered away slowly, imperceptibly perhaps. Maybe no one would notice. I was like this sheep that had gone astray, but I'm thankful for the good shepherd uh, that, 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 that called after me. Uh, I remember going to church, and uh, I remember my brother uh, witnessing to me, and, and uh, he finally one day told me, he says, if you just come to church one time, I'll never mention it to you again. And I thought, well, that it'd be worth it just to come. To, hey, he'd leave me alone. And so I went. Guess what? The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and spoke to me day after day after that. It ruined my good time. He did, the, uh, my brother and the Lord. But, but I'm thankful for that now because I was lost. He was calling after me. I was like that sheep gone astray. The Lord is so faithful. And the celebration, imagine that. When we come back to the Lord, 
that there's a, a joy in the presence of the angels, that there's a rejoicing in heaven that, 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 that goes on. Why, what a, what a wonderful event that is. But the Lord came to seek and to save the one that was lost. Well, then in the Scripture reading, we read about that coin. The woman lost one of ten coins. Wouldn't you think that nine would be enough? I, I was reading a, a Bible commentator surmised that for one thing, this ten, these ten coins represented her dowry and that she needed all ten because her bridegroom was coming back soon at a time when she wouldn't know. So you can imagine her urgency as she began to sweep the house. It was lost. The coin didn't know, of course, that it was lost. But she knew that it was lost, and she began to sweep. Uh, and she, again, she was someone who was waiting for her bridegroom, so her house was clean. So she, she shouldn't have had, but yet her urgency that she began to seek with was such that she swept every corner to find that coin. And when she found it, she rejoiced. She called the neighbors and said, I'm, now I'm ready for when my bridegroom would come. You know, there was a time when Jesus, someone came to Jesus and, and asked him, do you and your disciples pay tax? You remember Jesus said, well, go get a coin. And they brought it to him. And, but he said, whose image and superscription is on there? And he said, why, Caesar's. Well, Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render the things that to God that are God's. You know, our, our lives, our heart, our soul has an image. We were made in the image of God. We belong to him. And that, that, that image is imprinted on our soul. And, and, but when we are lost, it, it, it's, it's subject to rust and to degradation and begins to lose value. And yet, it, it is valuable in God's sight. Everyone has value in God's sight. Sometimes we think, I have a brother who is well over six feet tall. He, and when we were kids, he would complain because he was so tall. Well, like I said, I was always short. I complained because I was too short. I don't think God makes mistakes, though. God made us the way that we are. And a doctor told me one time that we inherit uh, the gene that makes us lose our hair from our mother. Well, our mother wasn't bald, but apparently uh, her brothers and sisters, but it skips a generation, he said. Well, I always thought it would have skipped my generation, but it didn't. But God doesn't make any mistakes. Uh, and, and really, it's, it's low maintenance. I don't mind it at all, as far as that goes. But but you, but you see, uh, our, our image and superscription, we belong to God. Render that for our soul unto God. Render your life to God. That's who it belongs to. Well, she found the coin and the urgency waiting for the bridegroom. We're waiting for Jesus to come again. It's urgent. It's urgent that we're ready. It's urgent that we make sure we're consecrated and dedicated, that we haven't wandered off. Our, uh, we, we didn't read the last portion of that uh, 15th chapter, but it refers to another instance where it talks about a man. It's called the parable of the prodigal son, but it's not really a parable because it happens. We've seen it take place. Maybe we've experienced it about the man that had two sons. And one made a choice, didn't he? And he wandered off. Of his own volition, of his own decision, he decided, I want my inheritance now, and I'm going to go away 
I'm going to have fun and I'm going to do what I want to do and not come under the authority and control of my father and his house. And so we read where he did. He went off and he spent all that he had on what's referred to in the Bible as riotous living. I'm not sure altogether what that was, but I know it left him broke. I know that when he left home, his idea wasn't when I grow up, I want to be feeding pigs in a pig pen and eating what they're eating. That wasn't his goal in life. But again, that's where he found himself of his own decision, of his own volition. But thank God for a faithful father that that prayed for him, that looked for him, that watched for him day after day and believed there would be a day when he would come home. And maybe he looked uh, out the window and looked down the way and he saw someone coming one day and he thought, you know, that that looks like my son. But, you know, time had gone by. Life had played its cruel tricks and he uh, didn't walk the way he used to walk and he was worn and he was dressed like a beggar. And But, but, but oh, father looked down there and, and, and saw, I, I, that might be my son, it could be my son. And then he realized, yes, it is my son. That, that, that young man thought, I'll go back to father's house. I'll just be a hired servant. Why, a, a, a repentant heart, one uh, that had been humbled by life's experiences and by his own uh, uh, poor decisions. But he came back, and we know what, what it says, that the father ran to meet him. A servant? No, no, no. You're my son. You were dead. Now you're alive. Uh, 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 I'm going to put the finest robe on you. And I'm going to call uh, all the neighbors and rejoice. It's interesting because he had another son that had stayed home and been faithful. He was upset because such favor was placed upon on the, on the son that had been lost. You know, that, that, that son that had stayed home and been faithful, he was kind of lost too, wasn't he? Right there, in, right there in Father's house the whole time. I wonder this morning if there's someone who's lost. Don't despair. We've all been lost at one time or another. All of us have, that are saved this morning, there was a time when we weren't saved. There was a time when we didn't know. But we thank God for his spirit that reaches out even today that speaks to hearts whether you're the lost sheep that's gone astray or the coin that didn't realize you were even lost but you come to that realization or maybe maybe the father looks out at this audience today and sees one that's been away that's a prodigal lord's looking for you oh he is uh you, you, everybody might think that you're a christian it really doesn't matter what everybody thinks. The Lord has come to seek and to save that one that's lost. If you're a prodigal, the Lord's, he's looking down the way. He wants you to come home. He, he wants you to come back to Father's house. And there's going to be a great celebration in heaven. And we'll celebrate here too with you. Yes, we will. God bless you. We are going to close uh, with an opportunity to pray. We thank God for his goodness. We thank God that he came to seek and to save the one that was lost. And he will do that for you this morning. God bless you.